goats. In 2017, there were 2.6 million goats in the country. 2.1 million were used for meat, and some were used for dairy. The rest were, what, uh, pets? And that's the most frequent problem with goats I have. People don't have them classified in their minds. Sure, we know a goat is a ruminant. It's kind of like a miniature cow. But the thing is, people don't know if it is a pet or a production animal. Goats can be used for their meat. Goats can be used for their milk. Some goats can be even used for their hair production. However, goats are fast becoming pets. They are small, being anywhere from 20 pounds to 200 pounds, so much easier to handle than a 1,400 pound cow. And as people get to know them, they find they aren't quite the devil icon that they are often used to represent, but rather inquisitive and personable creatures. The problem with this is goats like to die. And we don't like our pets to die. When you think about chickens, they lay an egg a day for a reason, because they are meant to be replaced. Goats don't have a baby goat or a kid a day, but with an average gestation period of 148 days and potentially pumping out two or three kids each time they give birth, goats' physiology is that they can't be replaced. That and for years, humans using them as production animals makes them hard to classify in our minds when we have to deal with their replaceability, yet are not using them for meat or something where they will be replaced. People are starting to think of them as pets, but only want to pay for them as production animals. I.e., what I hear a lot is, that's a lot of money for a goat, Doc. But what I see is, they treat this goat like a dog. It's not quite laying at the fireplace at its master's feet, but I do know a few people that let their goat live in the house. So that's the first question I usually ask with people with goats. What is this animal to you? Is it a production animal where it has a value that fits within the financial scheme to keep the farm on task? Or is it a pet where it is more an emotional attachment? Knowing this as a vet helps me guide people in the decisions they make. What I find is most people can't answer that question. It's somewhere in between. They are getting them as pets, but are in the mindset that they will only have to pay production prices. Because it's just a goat, right? The problem being, pet medical results typically cost more than production medical results. So for the price they want to pay, a vet's response a vet responds in a production manner. And frankly, vets as a whole haven't advanced to treating goats as more than production animals. Either way we look at it, we have to remember, even if we go all out, these animals are somewhat more fragile. I had a teacher from Africa once. She explained gazelles as cheeseburgers of the Serengeti. There were a lot of them, and lions liked snacking on them. Goats are not that far off. They're animals that go into shock easily. As a matter of fact, there are certain goats, fainting goats, which were designed to fall over when scared. This was so when a predator chased goats, the fainting goats would fall for the predator to catch so the valuable goats could run away. People like fainting goats as pets because it's cute when the owner is watching it fall. But guess what? If a stray dog is chasing them, 
these goats were literally genetically designed to be the ones that died. So while we can do a lot for goats, you have to realize where they are in the grand scheme of life and what you can realistically achieve with your relationship with them. So anyway, let's talk about the medicine and care for goats. There will be multiple episodes on goats, so this should be a fun discussion. First, the biggest problem in goats in America, parasites. Bum, bum, bum. I should probably get, you know, I should probably get like the actual music for that, but you might have to deal with me doing that for a while because I think it's fun. Parasites, bum, 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 are killing goats and a lot of times we just have to watch them die because of the parasite resistance to our anthelmintics. Or more simply put, resistance to our dewormers. Why do goats have so much problems fighting off parasites? Well, they aren't used to having a lot of parasites. Goats are browsers compared to grazers. That means goats eat at eye level, which is different from the grazers like a cow or a sheep which eat off the ground. Goats are from mountains or environments with little forage for them on the ground. It is usually shrubs and brushes they are eating. Parasites can only get about six inches up the grass. They aren't getting to the eye level plants that goats eat. So what have we done? We have taken goats and forced them into pastures where they must eat off the ground. We have forced them to go from where there are no parasites, eye level, to where there are parasites at grass level. Unlike cows and sheep who are used to dealing with these parasites, it's new for the goats evolutionarily speaking, so they are not set up to deal with a high burden of parasites, genetically speaking. For example, sheep and cattle who eat off the ground have evolved so they can maintain low number of parasites in their body because they are always exposed to parasites. The cows that couldn't handle those parasites died off. What do the goats do with this problem? And they die. Goats as a species aren't used to parasites yet, so the evolutionarily weak goats to the pressure of parasites haven't all died off, or their bloodlines haven't died off. That's the big thing in goat breeding now, breeding goats which are naturally able to fight off parasites. It's what nature does naturally, kills off the animals that can't survive in their environment. Producers are now speeding up nature by selecting the more resistant to parasite goats and breeding them in hopes of speeding along evolution. HOTC, H-O-T-C, or how we refer to the group of parasites including Haemonchus, Ostertasia, Trichostrongyles, and Cuparia. These are the strongyles that infect goats. We can identify these parasites by completing a fecal egg count. I lump all these parasites together and count the eggs in their feces to give us a quantitative number of how many parasite eggs per gram of feces we have. I will run individual fecals with sick goats to see their parasite burden or often will recommend pooling or putting together a bunch of goat feces and doing a group sample to get an idea how the entire herd is doing. I actually don't think goats are always dying of parasitism. I think goats are very hardy creatures. What I see more often is goats are so parasitized that they have a secondary problem and that pushes them over the edge. That bacterial infection they could have fought off, or maybe they wouldn't have gotten if they didn't have parasites. That infection 
they could have fought off if they were healthy. They can't fight off because all their energy is going to dealing with fighting the parasites. But this is still very important. So how do we fight off parasites? People might say deworm. Well, yes, but I think we have to start thinking from a management perspective. Sure, we can deworm, but we are running out of dewormers that work. Ah, let's just make a new dewormer. Well, we could, but I haven't heard a drug rep tell me in 12 years that any company is working on making a new dewormer for goats. So how can we manage parasites? First and foremost, we make sure to feed goats off the ground. Put their water up higher so they don't poop in their water. Put their hay at eye level so they aren't pooping in their hay. Poop is how parasites transmit, and dirt is where parasites are. And the goat's mouth is how parasites get in the body. So if you try to recreate a natural environment for a goat where they can eat at eye level, away from their poop in the dirt, you are going to reduce the amount of parasites a goat is exposed to. This can make a gigantic difference. If the parasites don't get to the goat, you don't have to worry about them affecting the goat. Obviously, this won't keep everything out, so you have to do other things that can reduce parasite burden. Pasture rotation can be helpful, or using the goat's natural habits for your benefit. A lot of people have portable fences where they fence off an area of weeds and brush. They let the goats in, the goats eat down the brush, and then you move the fence and the goats to the next area you want cleaned. This helps you and keeps the goats eating naturally. Famacha is another thing which will help us greatly. F-A-M-A-C-H-A. -A -A. This is a chart developed for easy identification of parasitism in goats. The mucous membrane color of the eyes directly correlates to the parasite burden in goats. The more red or pink an eye is, the more blood in the body and the less parasites, which are sucking blood. If there are more parasites sucking blood, there is less blood or less red in the body and the mucous membranes are more pale or white looking. These Fomacha charts have the color associated with healthy and sick goats and gives you advice on when to deworm. You can get these charts from the internet or your veterinarian who may get the charts from the University of Georgia. This gives you a lot of very valuable information. In previous podcasts, I've talked about the 80-20 rule. 80% of the parasites are in 20% of the animals. So if you can identify the goats that are most frequently the most pale, those are the ones you would cull or eliminate from the herd to keep them from passing on genetics that are weak to resisting parasites. This also will help reduce the number of parasite reservoirs in the herd and reduce the overall total number of herd parasites, lowering the number of parasites in your stronger animals. Of course, if this is a pet or favorite breeding animal, that makes the decision harder to make. That's why you have to decide how you are managing these animals. For production animals, it makes the most sense to cull, but you aren't going to cull your pet. On the production side, that's what people will be looking for, goats that are genetically resistant to parasitism. These are all very natural ways of reducing parasite load. There are a lot of ways people think are natural ways to reduce parasite load that um, just don't work. A few of the things to watch for so you aren't wasting your time. 
Diatomaceous earth being spread on the property has studies that show no effect on parasite burden. There was also a trend for putting copper piping in water supply of goats to reduce parasite load. I have found no evidence that this works, although your local hardware store would be happy to oblige you in such purchases. There are a lot of natural herbs out there. I do have a client using some of those natural remedies and her parasite burden in her herd is low. So while I'm suspicious, I trust the results she is getting in the herd. This means I'm not ready to recommend every natural remedy, but I would like more information. This client is also watching the genetics of their goats and has good management protocols as well. So I'm not entirely sure if it's the herbs or a client taking good care of their animals and breeding parasite resistant goats. Also, as I said, this client is good at heavy management, which is what treating parasites with herbs would take. Even they admit it is easy for them to fall off the treatment regime and then they don't have good parasite protect protection. So if you are thinking about doing this and you know you're bad at intensive dosing, probably another reason not something you want to get started giving your goats. Speaking of things you can give your goats, I have a lot of people using dewormers that they put in their goats feed daily. We will talk more about dewormers later, but I do not trust dewormers that are given through the food or pretty much given all the time. I feel like there are animals not getting the proper dose. Maybe the weak ones that are carrying the highest number of parasites and are pushed away from the food by the strong ones carrying the least number of parasites. Nor do I like when dewormers are used so regularly. I feel like this creates resistance making dewormers ineffective. Many dewormers are already ineffective in goats. This is why I use my fecal egg counts I mentioned earlier. If we are deworming and the parasite egg numbers are not dropping, I know I am seeing resistance to dewormers. I typically will use one dewormer until it doesn't work, hoping it will work long enough that parasites will forget they are resistant to another dewormer. The sad part is it may take 40 years or more for parasites to forget they are resistant to certain dewormers. So what we have to do now is resort to combining dewormers. For example, instead of using Ivermectin alone, we have to use Ivermectin and Valbazin, two different classes of drugs that will hopefully work together in a one-two punch to kill parasites. Sometimes this will work and sometimes it doesn't. Frankly put, we are losing goats to parasites because we are running out of options. Our options revert back to creating stronger goats in an environment that is not prone to goats getting parasites. Also, from a practicing vet, whenever someone tells me they are giving dewormers through the feed on a monthly or daily basis, I typically end up diagnosing and treating those herds for parasites. So get your dewormers from your vet and administer them how they instruct you to. Many people get dewormers from feed supply stores and then call my staff asking how to administer. While sometimes I do recommend picking stuff up from the feed supply store, when it comes to dosing, as a general rule, I don't recommend doses for other people's products. People get very frustrated with this as they often can find cheaper drugs at feed supply store than vets. Please remember, when you get dewormers from your vet, you are paying for doses. If you trust your feed supply store representative to give you dosing information for your animals, that is fine. 
please don't expect your veterinarian to recommend doses for products they have not sold to you. First, we may inadvertently give you the wrong dose, not knowing the product, and second, that makes it seem like we endorse that product, which is not necessarily the case, especially as it may not work as who knows where it was sourced from. So no, you don't have to get your dewormers from the veterinarian, but don't expect us to give you dosing information either. You should ask dosing information from where you purchase the supplies. We only have three broad classes of dewormers. While there may be many brands of dewormers, they all fall in these three classes. There are benzimidazoles, or white dewormers. These are what most clients know as Panicure, and which I feel are most highly ineffective because they are so commonly used. There are Avermectins, which most people know the most famous of its class, Ivermectin. Ivermectin is my front line of defense against front line of defense as a dewormer. And lastly, there are macrocyclic lactones, which I say for the bad cases. An example of this would be prohibit or levimisole. Three classes. I only trust one of the white dewormers if it isn't used in combination. The avermectins in my area are still working, but I know other vets with problems and the macrocyclic lactones are not as safe as the others, but still, I guess, generally work. I want to use these dewormers carefully because if we lose them, we don't have other options. Putting all this together, I recommend good management of goats. Get these guys so they aren't eating off the ground, rotate the pasture so high number of parasites don't build up, and do personal deworming at home with Famacha charts. At least once a year, bring a fecal to your veterinarian, maybe twice, to make sure the herd number of parasites is low, or if you need to adjust protocols. And if you have any sick goats, the fecal is the best first diagnostic to run. So, there's a start to goats. Next time, we will talk about another parasite in goats, coccidia. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. I hope our discussions are valuable to you and aid in giving perspective. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud. If you find this information helpful and want more content, please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash theveterinarypodcast. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theveterinarypodcast. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. If you do find it helpful, please like it, share it, so other people may find it helpful as well.